Today we're going to go to Philippians 1 and 6. Philippians 1 and 6, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite verses, if not one of my life verses. Uh, I'm sure you've read this before where it says, being confident of this very thing, uh, that he who has began a good work in you uh, shall establish it or perform it in the King James Version of the Bible until the day of Jesus Christ. And I want to talk today on a subject matter uh, called, he's a promise keeper. He, anybody know he's a promise keeper? God is a promise keeper. You know, uh, one of the things I love to do is I love to study history. Um, and, and I read uh, most recently uh, about the life of Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison has been ascribed uh, and attributed to being one of the world's greatest inventors. You know, he was the person uh, who invented uh, electric generation. He is the person uh, that invented the apparatus for mass communication. He is the person uh, who invented uh, 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 photography, movement, motion pictures. He did all of that. And most of us don't know that because we know him for the one thing he did do, uh, which was to be the first person uh, to be able to achieve um, electric light through the light bulb. You see, sometimes you can have an event in your life uh, that people will know you for, but they won't know all of the things that built you up until the person you are today. There's so many failed experiences and so many things that you have to overcome and so many trials and so many battles and mountains. As the song was saying, there, there's so many battles that you had to overcome in order to be who you are today. And, and there are people in here right now, they're sitting next to you in this church. Uh, as we say in our church, they see your glory, but they don't know your story. They see you come in church and you're smiling and you're worshiping God and, and you've got on nice clothes and, and perhaps you drove here in a nice car and you'll go back to a nice home. But all of that is the result of winning your battles. All of that is the result of not quitting. And see, the reason why we know Thomas Edison and, and the, the light bulb incident is because there have been um, uh, historical uh, ideologies that suggested that he tried 6,000 times before he got it right. He even took the beard hair from one of his employees to make a filament with. 6,000 failures. And, and Nikola Tesla actually worked for Thomas Edison for a year. He tried and failed. But the reason we're talking about Thomas Edison today is not because he was smarter than everybody else. He just worked harder than everyone else. 6,000 failures. He did it over and over and over again, and so he got it right. And I wanted to talk about that because sometimes what people think is genius is actually just persistence. That sometimes you'll look at a person and say, they're a genius. I'll tell you what you're looking at is somebody who has enough grit not to quit. You're looking at somebody and you say, I admire that person. And one day I'm going to have a business like them. And one day I'll have a family like that. Anybody in the room who will tell you if they've been married 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, each one of the people in the relationship have done enough to make the other person walk away. But marriage is not the completion of married people uh, or perfect people. It is the completion of people who decided I won't give up. 
I just won't quit no matter how difficult it is, no matter how many sleepless nights we have, no matter how many financial obstacles we have to get over, no matter how many times we want to take these children and give them back to God and say, God, give them back to me after you raise them. We go through these cycles and, and those of us who are here today are here today just because we didn't quit. Now, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I believe that the greatest basketball player of all times is still Michael Jordan. And I know we have some young people in here that say LeBron James, and I know that, that Kobe Bryant is on the table. I'm old. I'm 40, I'll be 40 in July. Let me have my moment of fame and glory. I'm going to stick with Mike because Mike played when I played. And let me tell you, Michael Jordan, he has this one quote that he says. He says, I've missed 9,000 shots. He says I, at this time, he said, I lost over 300 games. He says, 26 times I was trusted to make the game-winning shot, and I missed. And that is the reason why I am successful. You are not successful because you made the shot. You are successful because you took another one after you missed. Babe Ruth said, every strikeout got me one back closer to a home run. And I want to let you know that when I read this text, I see a lot of people who are excited about God, who will establish a thing until the day of Jesus Christ. But in order for God to be able to establish something in you, you have to give him an attitude of not quitting. In order for God to establish a thing, you have to wake up every morning and decide this is the day that the Lord has made and I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. Do I have anybody in here who will say, I refuse to quit? Somebody just said, I refuse to quit. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how troubling it is, no matter how sick I may be in my body, no matter how frustrating the situation is, I refuse to quit. You know, when I got to Houston, Texas, when I got to Houston, Texas, I came there at the behest of a pastor who was retiring. And he came up to me. I, I was in Tacoma, Washington uh, at Faith Evangelical Seminary. I had achieved my master's and I was preaching a message for the graduating class. I was 22. He was 62. I was the youngest person in the graduating class. He was the oldest. And he came up to me and he said, he said, God told me to tell you that you're going to be the next pastor of the church that I pastor. Now, you got to understand, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I do think I got a lot of swag. I do think that. I mean, I'm just, I'm smooth as ice, twice as nice, never had a bad day in my life. I think I'm cool. And, and this pastor, you have to understand, he had no swag. He had on Skechers, huge cargo pants, and a members-only jacket. So I looked at him and I judged the book by his cover. Here I am in my Jordans, my Air Force Ones, uh, whatever I had on that day, I'm, I'm swagged out. And I looked at him and said, what does he have? I'm, I'm in college. I've got 600 members. I am doing it. And, and this guy with his members only jacket, he can't be doing that well. He said, come preach for me. I flew down to Houston, Texas, and I learned that you shouldn't judge a book by his cover. I walked over his campus and I was amazed. All of the buildings, all of the apartments, all of the things that he had done for the community. And do you know what, ladies and gentlemen, he had me on staff and I was there for nine months. On the 12th month, he was to retire and I was going to take over. And you know, he had gotten old and he had gotten sickly and he was getting ready to retire. But when I came on staff and for nine months, I carried all the weight. I saw his health starting to come back. And right when I was getting ready to take over the church, he stood in front of the church and said, 
this is Keon Henderson's last Sunday. He fired me on Sunday morning in front of the whole church. Fired me publicly. Now, I'm from Gary, Indiana. Somebody knows what that means. That means I don't play. I am angry. I see myself jumping over the pulpit and choking this man within one inch of his life on Sunday morning. Pray for me. I'm not all the way there yet. And I get up and I go into his office and he looks me in the face and he says, you're upset, aren't you? I said, in ways you cannot believe. I said, but as opposed to giving up, this is what I'm going to do. I had $200 to my name. I took the $200 out of my pocket. I shook his hand and said, thank you for pushing me into my destiny. And from that day, I walked out of that building and a family came up to me and said, you know what? God sent us. They had joined the church that Sunday. They said, God sent us to you, not to this building. So what we want to do is we want to invite you to our house and you can preach to us. And I went to their house. To that woman and her husband and their three children. And I preached to them in their living room like it was this building. And the next Sunday when I got back to their house, they told me, we can't have church at our house because we've done some evangelizing and we can't have it at our church. So we're going to move it down to a local church across the street. And I went into the basement and there was 136 people in the basement. And I preached to those 136 people, none of them had I ever seen before, but I preached to them like it was a room like this. And then I came back and I kept coming back. And in 16 weeks, the 136 grew to 800. And in 12 months, the 800 grew into 1,500. And in the last nine years, 1,000 grew into 15,000. What happened? I refused to quit. I refused to give up. I refused to believe the report of the enemy. I refused to listen to the noise in my head. And I wanted to come all the way to Tulsa to tell somebody that he who has began a work in you will establish it until the day of Jesus Christ. And no devil, no warlock, no person against you, no evil boss, no person who doesn't like you nothing can separate you from the love of God you will win if you don't quit and if you quit you will never win my favorite quote and you need to write it down and for every person listening to me today when you're trying to figure out what you will look like at the end of your life remember this you are born looking like your parents but you die looking like your decisions and what you decide is what you will see and what you believe is what you will achieve. Somebody shout, I'm a believer. If you are saying, Pastor, that sounds good. It's hyperbole. I don't believe it. Might I remind you that Paul wrote the book of Philippians in prison. He was under house arrest. He was in a dungeon, hungry, while the rats were full from eating his skin. He had no water, and yet he had faith in living water. He had no bread, yet he was praying to the bread of heaven. He had no light, yet he still believed that Jesus was a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. You see, he did not allow his circumstance to control how he thought. And he begins to pen the book of Philippians and he gives it to Aphrodite who was 
a, a, a minister of the church and he says, take this to the people. You must understand now, Aphrodite has come to him because when he was in prison, the church had taken up a love collection and, and, and in vernacular of today's terms, they put some money on Paul's books. They, they brought an offering for him so that way he could have commissary while he was in prison. And Paul is now receiving gifts from the church. And the Bible says that the church helps Paul while he's in prison. And that's what Paul is saying in verse 3 through 5 when he says, I thank God that every time I remembered you when I prayed. He said, every time I prayed, I prayed for you. And I prayed for you, watch this, not only did I pray for you, but for your fellowship in the gospel from the past until the days of now. Now, this is a very important word. Everybody say fellowship. The word fellowship in the Greek is the word kononia, which means not just coming to church and saying, you know, hey, Bill, how's your business going? It's not just coming to church and, and hugging everybody and giving them a high five and welcoming them to church. That's not what he means by fellowship here. What he means is, listen, he says, when he says fellowship, he says that even though we don't have the same philosophy, what he means by fellowship is that we should share some things in common in Jesus Christ. And when I studied the scripture, I wanted to give you the ideas and the exact things that the church should share in Jesus Christ. And these are the three things I came up with. The first thing that the church should share is spiritual communication. In other words, that means that we should be spreading the gospel everywhere that we go. Number two, sympathetic cooperation. That just simply means that no matter what denomination we're in or not, we should have unity in the church. And number three, what, what we call in the old church, sweet communion. And that just simply means that we ought to have harmony. Now, I'm like Pastor Paul. I told you we're twins. I also play the guitar. And when I take a, a certain amount of chord progression on my lead or on my acoustic, uh, certain uh, um, uh, what we call shapes make G's or A's or D's. And, and it's taking all of the different individual notes and making harmony. And when you bring that together, you get what's called a chord. See, what I, what I love about Victory and what I love about the Lighthouse Church and all of the people who are watching us all around the world as we stream this, what I love about churches like ours is that it doesn't matter if we're black or if we're white. It doesn't matter if we're Baptist or it doesn't matter if we're Pentecostal. It doesn't matter if we're Church of God in Christ. That when we say the name of Jesus, it is a sweet-smelling sound and savor unto the Lord Jesus Christ and he hears us all on the same accord and that we don't all have to vote the same to be saved and we don't all have to look the same and the world is destructing itself because we now hate everybody who we don't agree with but can we just agree to disagree and it doesn't matter about our politics and it doesn't matter who you voted for because at the end of the day it doesn't matter who sits in the Oval Office it matter who sits on the throne and his name is Jesus Christ and he is the Lord of all and he is the Lord of everything do I have any witnesses in this building today so I came to preach to a people who need to know that he's a promise keeper and one of the things I love about this church is that when the pandemic hit you didn't stop worshiping I remember looking online and I said, Pastor Paul has lost his mind. He has rented a $12 million crane, lifted himself up in heaven, standing on the top of the church, preaching to people in the parking lot, and you people were blowing your horns like you were crazy. 
I saw people screaming and shouting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole world was shivering and afraid and you kept going on. You know why? Because you understand he's a promise keeper and he who has began a good work in you shall establish it until the day of Jesus Christ. And do I have anybody in here that says, God, I will never stop blessing your name. I will never stop giving you the glory. I don't care what's happening in the world. It only matters what's happening in the kingdom. Do I have any kingdom saints in the room today? I was looking at you guys online. I said, now that is a church. I'm just going to join vicariously. I saw Pastor Paul standing out there on, on the, I don't know, was it this building on the roof? And, and you guys were in the parking lot hunking your horns. And we were at home just saying, how can we do a parking lot service like them? It didn't work. We didn't do it. I never tried it. I didn't have the guts to do it, but thank God that you all did it. And I'm telling you that what a lot of people around the country were saying is that that young pastor down there in Tulsa, he's a genius. And yes, he is a genius, but can, what, can I tell you what else he is? He's not a quitter. He tried to find a way to do it. He always finds a way to keep going forward. And let me tell you, if John Maxwell is right and, and, and leadership has a lid, and if the scripture is right that the oil flows down Aaron Bill, God told me to tell somebody in here today that because you are following a pastor who won't quit and you believe in a God who won't quit, God says, I'm going to give you all of your dreams if you just don't quit. If you just keep on pressing toward the mark for the prize of the upper call, somebody say, I'm a dream. Somebody shout, I'm a believer. And if you are, he who has began that business, he who has began that dream, he who has uh, began that company, he who has began that family, who, he who has started that urge inside of you, there is nothing that can stop it because if God started it, he is obligated to finish it. You don't hear what I'm telling you. Some of y'all, how many of y'all in the room today and watching online, you've got that notepad that you always get an urge to write a dream or vision in and it's in a notepad and it's sitting on the side of the bed or, or maybe you've got a company that you said you were going to start but you start looking at your age and stage and do you have the money or do you have the, the, the credit and, and you'll start backing up and before you know it, you'll start out with the dream at 25 and then you won't do it at 30 and you won't do it at 35 because you're always waiting for the perfect time but can I tell you there is no perfect time but there is a perfect Jesus and if he began it in you he will establish it until the day of Jesus Christ somebody shout I'm a worker say it again I'm a worker you have to be a worker because Jesus is a worker Jesus could have decided to be anything he wanted to be when he became a man but he decided to be a carpenter any carpenters in the room that's hard work you see why nobody raised their hand I asked, were there any carpenters in the room? And nobody raised their hand. That means nobody in here is cutting uh, or measuring something three times and cutting it once. I don't know how to build anything. I don't know how to build anything. I cannot fix my car. I cannot change oil. If my tire is flat, I just think the Lord's want me to sit still for a while. I just can't build anything. But I know people who can build things. And when I need something built, I call on a builder. Oh, you missed what I just said. When I need something built, I call on it. Now, when somebody needs something built, they do not call me. 
But when I need something built, I know builders and I called on builders. And let me tell you, the next time you are up against something that you cannot fix, call the builder. His name is Jesus Christ. He is Mary's baby and he is the carpenter from Nazareth and he is persistent. He persistently prayed. He persistently fasted. Everything that he did, he did it through work. He was a worker. The Bible says that if a man is not willing to work, he shouldn't what? Because he loves workers. John 9 and 4 says, I must work the works of the one who sent me while it is day because the night is coming when no man can work. He is a worker. God is so much of a worker that he created the world in seven days. He worked six of them and only rested one. Why? Because we are the children of a worker. That's why he says in verse 6 that he who has began a good work in you shall establish it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Write this down. I've learned that the key to survival is persistence and resistance. Persistence and resistance. Jesus persisted in prayer while resisting the devil when he was on the mountain. Remember the devil said, well, if you say you are God, then turn these stones into bread. You know what that was about. Jesus had just fasted for over a month. He was hungry, so he was tempting him to, to take his bread. And then he says, you know, if you are who you say you are, jump off of this cliff. And see, once your father dispatch angels concerning you, lest you hit your foot against a stone. Jesus says, ah, it is written. He said, it's written. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. He says, do you know that if I jump off of this cliff, my father will dispatch legions of angels to protect me. He says, but I'm not going to do it because I have work to do. This is going to get some of y'all. And I, I hope you hear, hear me because we are sometimes so spiritual. But God told me to tell you, sometimes you have to stop looking for angels and find an angle. Sometimes you're always waiting on God to do something, but I challenge you to read your Bible and tell me, when have you ever seen a miracle that did not require human intervention? Jesus turned the water to wine. Okay, bring me the water pots. Jesus, I've been, I've been laying on, my, on this bed for 38 years. Okay, you can walk if you'll get up, pick up your bed and... Lord, my hand has been withered. Okay, well then stretch forth your hand. God, I can't see. Go dip in the Jordan River. Every miracle requires human interaction. You cannot expect God to make the thing finish if you don't work in the process. It requires something out of us. He says, he who has began a work in you. Can I tell you where I'm from and then we're going to go home and come back tomorrow because I'll see all of y'all in the first service. I know you're coming. I know you're not telling me, but you'll be here. I, um, I'm from Gary, Indiana. My mother worked at fast food restaurants all of our life. She worked at Taco Bell. She made $7 an hour. It was four of us. We were, we were poor. We had a two-bedroom. She had one. We had the rest. <laughs> we, were, we were all stacked in a room and it was... Three to four beds in one bedroom. You're, do you all remember bunk beds? Yeah, we had a bunk bed, but for my older sister, they actually nailed a, a platform up on the wall, and she had about eight to 12, 18 inches between uh, her head and the ceiling. So it, it, many a nights, we, she got a nightmare, and we heard that means that she got up too fast. She had to roll out 
and, and come down. We had one dresser with three drawers in it. And because I'm the boy, understand that I didn't get a drawer. I had to fold my stuff up and sit it in the corner. I didn't have my own bed until I was 12. I grew up with roaches in the house and we grew up with, with, I remember every time we moved, my mom would, would go get what was called a bomb, and we would go get a bomb, and you have to sit it in the house uh, for four hours before you could get in it because it would kill all of the roaches before you came in. I remember having to sleep in skull caps because I was afraid that the, the bugs were crawling my ears. We went through so much. We went through so much. We went through so much. But let me tell you, even though we had a shortage of resources, we never had a shortage of love. Even though we had a shortage of resources, mama took us to church every Sunday and we sat on the front row and we gave God all glory, honor, and praise. And even though we didn't have transportation and we had to walk, God was still in our life and he was still doing everything that he could. And if I hadn't looked at what I was going through, I would have never believed that I could be where I am today. But somebody told me early that he who has began something in you will establish it until the day of Jesus Christ. And now I am standing in Victory Church talking to you as a pastor of five locations and businesses all around the world only by the grace of God am I here today and I am not here to talk to you about myself I'm here to tell you what God has done through me and if there's anybody looking at me online or somebody in this sanctuary let me tell you it doesn't matter where you start it only matters where you finish and if God started something in you I want to stop and pause for about 13 seconds to find out if anybody can make enough noise in this building today to thank God that he started something in you that he started a dream in you that he started a family in you that he started an idea come on you can do better than that I want you to raise the roof on this place and give God some kind of crazy praise and thank him that he started something in you I speak to that 20 year old young man God started something in you today and the rest of your life, you're going to have to understand you're going to get offers. And somebody won't always bring the offer to you. Sometimes you're going to have to get out of your seat and run down the aisle and risk embarrassment in front of everybody. But let me tell you, when, you, when it is your day and you get up, you'll get something that nobody else had. And you got something in here today that nobody else has. And let me tell you, all of you all individually, you have something that nobody else has. You have something they don't, and, and guess what? They have something that you don't have. But if you use what you have and they use what they have, we're all become what God wants us to be. You don't have to be jealous about anybody else. You don't have to want what anybody else has. If you are you, just be you. And let me tell you, the world may not like it, but never water yourself down because they cannot handle you at a hundred proof. Be all you. Somebody say, be all you. Be all you. Be all you. If you're loud, be loud all the time. If you're hilarious, be funny all the time. If you cook, cook all the time. Give it everything you got. Don't stop. Don't quit. I don't care if you run out of money. I don't care if you run out of resources. I don't care if you run out of time. He who has began. Is this resonating with you today? He who has began a good work in you shall establish it until the day of Jesus Christ. I don't know what your circumstance is. I don't know what your circumstance is. I don't know where you live. I don't know whether you have a savings account or whether you're in debt. And I don't know if your student loan bill is bigger than your mortgage. I don't know. I don't know how many parents in here mortgage their house just to send their children to college. And you know, a lot of people look at you and they think it's easy being you. They don't have any idea how hard you work to do what you have to do. I don't know your circumstance, won't pretend to know. But I do know this, that he who has begun a good work in you
will establish it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I do know that you don't have to be concerned about tomorrow because the same person who created today is in charge of tomorrow. And I know that when you have to let your children go into this cruel world and you wish you could protect them, I do know that all night and all day Jesus has angels watching over your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren and your nephews and your nieces and let me tell you if you start something in them and you bathe them in the Holy Spirit and the power of God God will also finish what he started in them God is not into anything incomplete can I tell you God always ends in well done so if all isn't well in your life, it's because God isn't done. I'll say it again for those of y'all who are asleep. God always ends in well done. So if all isn't well in your life, it's because God isn't done. Do you receive the word of the Lord today? Before I sit down, I want to pray with you and for you because so many people are tempted to quit in these days. Oh, you can say what you want. We can come to church and we come with our head lifted high. And we, How are you doing, brother? Praise the Lord. I'm blessed and highly favored. But the truth is, some of y'all had to crawl in here today. Oh, we know how to smile when we get to church and we know how to hug each other and say everything is going to be all right and God is good. But the truth is, if you're honest, you're worried about something. You're worried about your daughter. You're worried about your son. You're worried about your grandchildren. You're worried about retirement. If you're honest, there's something that keeps you up at night. And yes, you have faith. And yes, you keep your Bible with you. But the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And sometimes he'll make you think, did I lose my salvation because I've fallen into sin? No. If Satan could undo salvation, then Jesus is not as powerful as we preach. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose on the third day morning, he took authority over death hell and the grave and those of us who, who confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and those of us who believe in our heart that God has raised his son from the dead for those of us there is therefore no condemnation to those of us who are in Jesus Christ why do I keep saying that because he's going to establish this listen unto the day of Jesus Christ we don't live in the Old Testament. We don't live in the millennium. No, you and I, we live in the day of Jesus Christ. We live in the day of Jesus Christ. And no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. I want you to all stand on your feet right now. You know, I was tempted when I was preparing this message to talk from the church's perspective and not Paul because 
This church supported Paul no matter what. And the Lord told me to tell you, Victory, the reason why you're always going to be a blessed people because you too support a Paul. That you may not know it, but your Paul also has personal prison experiences and he needs the church to pray for him. You will never know how difficult it is to have a ministry this size on a man that age. Oh God, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you, but this kind of ministry usually rests on the shoulders of a person who's 50, 60 years old. It, it doesn't often in the world, in the history of the world, does this rest on the shoulders of a man whose wife is still young enough to have an infant in her womb. Your Paul needs your prayers too. Your Paul is also in the prison because people lock pastors in and they don't allow us to live real lives. No, Pastor Paul and Ashley are not behind prison bars, but they are locked into a world's judgmental system that has a problem with the pastor who will go on Instagram and take a picture with his shirt off. I love it. I love it because as long as victory takes care of Paul, Paul will take care of victory. As long as Paul took care of Philippi, Philippi took care of Paul. And now we're talking about Philippi as a blessed church and Paul is the one of the greatest preachers to ever live because there was a blessed relationship between the church and the pastor and victory even though Pastor Paul isn't in the room today. Can you send up a sound of praise for your Paul? God, I pray in the name of Jesus that somebody in this room today who does not know you in the pardon of their sin will come saying, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Enter somebody's heart. Enter somebody's heart today, God. May the message till the ground. No man having ever put his hand to the plow and looked back is fit for the kingdom. But I pray, God, as people are watching us all over the world, that Jesus Christ is entering into living rooms and neighborhoods and offices and cars and, and apartments, God, that there is no boundary, no wall too high, no river too wide, no gulf too expressive to keep the power of Jesus from reaching. So God, we thank you that you're a way maker. We thank you that you are a promise keeper. We thank you that you are light in the darkness. We thank you, God, that you're a bridge over troubled water. We thank you that you're bright and morning star. We thank you that you're the lily of the valley. We thank you that you're the rose of Sharon. We thank you that you're the great I am. We thank you that you're the wheel in the middle of a wheel. We thank you that you're a mountain handler. God, we thank you that you're the rejected stone that became the chief cornerstone. We thank you that you hung, bled, and died. But on the third day morning, you got up with all power. And because you're no longer dead, we can live. Save our brothers and our sisters. Save our nieces, our nephews, save this world. Bless our churches and our leaders and bless these people. Make them the lender and not the borrower. Make them the head and not the tail. Make them above and never beneath. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah and amen. Come on and give God a whole 
big round of applause and praise come on come on victory come on for 25 seconds i want you to praise him like you've lost your mind i want you to praise him praise him praise him praise him praise him praise him Come on, church, can we just give a, come on, put our hands together. Come on, Pastor Keon Henderson, such a strong word this evening. And just like he said, he's going to be bringing a, a unique word every single service. And so uh, if you want some more, come back tomorrow at the 9 or the 11. And, uh, you know, God is doing a special thing right here. And so here's what I want to do is we're going to go into a moment of worship. And I know that as he just, he just prayed over us here today, what I want us to do is just real quick, just bow your heads, close your eyes right where you are. Maybe you're in the room here today, and as you're hearing this word, you're hearing about salvation. You're hearing about those who express faith in Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that there is no way to eternal life but through Jesus. And today, you want to make that decision. You're saying, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I want a fresh start with God this evening. If that's you, with heads bowed, eyes closed, just slip your head up right where you are, just so I know who I'm praying with. Come on, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And for those in the room, he says he prayed over you today that you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm in a, a season right now where I just need to believe that God is a promise keeper. Maybe he referenced one of the situations that you're walking through. Maybe it'd be a family member. Maybe somebody in the hospital. Maybe it's a financial crisis or situation. But right now you're in the, in the valley of decision or you're tempted to believe that God's maybe finished with you, maybe that he's been done with you, but today you're just saying, I need to, to turn my attention back to the truth that God is a promise keeper and put my faith and my trust back in the promises of God. If that's you, just slip up your hand right where you are, just so I know who I'm praying with. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray this prayer together this evening. And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed, say this, say, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe that you lived the perfect life, died the death that I deserve, but you rose again three days later. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Holy Spirit, fill my life. Fill my heart. Bring truth to my mind. Help me to trust and to believe that you are good and that you're not finished with me yet. I love you, Jesus. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen.